Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, kind of a laid-back show. we got plenty of news to touch on, lots going on in the college uh, football world, in the sporting world in general, of course, uh, surrounding coronavirus, some news, some articles, things like that have all kind of came out, so we'll touch on uh, some of that. Uh, in the back half, we're going to do some returner player profiles. It's been a little while since we've uh, touched on those. We've got some important ones to get to. So kind of a laid-back show for you to send you into the weekend right. And uh, as far as next week, before we get into today's show, I wanted to just touch on what our plan is. Uh, we will not be having a show out on Monday. Um, I am going up north to a cabin, so I've got some things going on. We decided we'll just... Uh, do one big long show on Wednesday coming out probably Thursday where we are where Matt and I possibly Drew we haven't confirmed for sure uh, we're gonna have all three of us uh, but we're gonna go through and each draft uh, kind of a team for the Wisconsin football team uh, kind of compare and contrast and and put together a team that uh, you know that we would draft from the 2020 squad and uh, kind of have some fun like some hypothetical stuff that we've been doing. Over the last few weeks before we get into what is hopefully a, a college football training camp and fall camp, I know next week is probably a big week in terms of what will be happening uh, here in the future. I know which we'll t- touch on a little bit later, but wanted to give you guys some run, you know rundown on the programming notes uh, for the podcast so you're not surprised if you don't see something out on Monday. That might have been the longest intro in history, but Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, no worries on the the long intro. I think it was needed. We got a lot of that out there. I know I'm really excited about our uh, two deep draft where everybody's going to be drafting. I think that'll be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be able to compare our squads that we're able to to build, uh, kind of like a little NCAA esque NCAA football. Um, if any ever any of you had listened or had uh, ever played that game, it's a uh, definitely fun and that's kind of what we're doing is building our own squads so I, I think that'll be a fun thing how are you doing man I'm good I'm good yeah it will be a, a fun one uh it, there's, there's a lot of depth on this Badger team which I think will make it uh, very exciting uh to to touch on and, and get to see what some of these teams could compare because you know you look at some positions like the cornerback room the offensive line got a lot of deep uh and, and talented players that Maybe aren't quite fully ready, but uh, could make an interesting squad if you had to and uh, kind of see how it all works out. And like you said, I think uh, the NCAA 14 is a perfect example uh, because that game has, has molded so many minds uh, that have played the game. You know, I I still had my PS3 fired up uh, a few months ago and playing it. Uh, I actually moved on to Madden uh, more recently, but that's just it doesn't have the same, same juice. So hopefully uh, we can get a new NCAA 14 or NCAA 20. Uh, here in the future. That is uh, uh, high on everyone's wish list for sure. No doubt. Do you want to get into our news? Yeah, let's go ahead and hop into it because we got a lot of news to cover here, guys. We'll get into our news of the day. Here's what's happening. 
All right, our news of the day. Something. This uh, first one is something that we kind of already talked about last episode. In case you missed it, wide receiver Jerry Cross, part of the 2022 class, part of that Super Six for the in-state players, did commit to Penn State, uh, which really wasn't a surprise to anyone. You know, when we talked about it last episode, we kind of wrote it off as a foregone conclusion. But uh, he did make that commitment announcement Tuesday evening. Uh, which we, we wish him the best. I know a lot of the other guys in the class were, were really uh, hoping to get him to you know, make that switch. I know Braylon Allen was very active on Twitter talking about uh, you know how, how the Wisconsin really wanted him and, and maybe they can get him to, to switch. I know there's a lot of people that still think that uh, they, that you know the players might get in his ear and try to get him to flip him. But for now, uh, it sounds like Jerry Cross is very fully committed to Penn State and uh, – Definitely an exciting time for him. You know, Penn State is doing a very good job, much like the Badgers on the recruiting trail. Usually the Badgers keep these guys in state, and it's hard to get them out, but some guys, they, they just feel like there's a fit there, and uh, Jerry Cross decided that, that Penn State was that for him. So what did you make of that? Yeah, I, mean, I think the writing was on the wall for a little bit here. Obviously the Badgers will probably continue to recruit him, go after him, try to flip his commitment. I doubt I see that happening just because if he's going to be this early committing to Penn State without visiting, uh, with having opportunities and the amount of energy that the staff put into him, and he still wanted to make that commitment, uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing him switching his mind. That makes it seem to me that he never really gave Wisconsin uh, any thought and kind of had always wanted out of the state, which is um, a dream for a lot of kids. If if you're wanting to try something new, get out to a different place. Uh, so I, best of luck to him. But but I really just when you look at the timing the speed and haste that he went through it, uh, everything involved here when you have so many people in his ear trying to get him to come to Wisconsin. He wanted something else, whether it be a different fit, whether it be a different culture, whatever it might be. And uh, he must have found something in Penn State using uh, virtual videos and what to, to know that that's where he wants to be. Yeah, you got to do what's best for you. And I think Jerry Cross definitely saw that, that this was maybe the dream offer that he was looking for. And, uh, you know, put yourself in, in his shoes. If there was an offer that you were you were wanting and a place you wanted to be and a place you felt good, I think everyone would, would do the same thing. You know, look at us uh, with, a, with a job. If you got an offer that you felt was something you couldn't pass up, uh, you, you know, everyone would be, you know, jumping ship and, and making that choice as well. So we wish him the best. Uh, it'll... It'll be tough to see him, you know, making catches against Wisconsin, but uh, that happens. You can't win them all, and I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how his career plays out uh, in the Big Ten and definitely someone where, you know, you always still root for in-state kids. I know he'll be at Penn State, which is a you know a tough program to watch in-state kids have success at, but you, you hope that these kids uh, from Wisconsin and the Milwaukee area have, a, you know, solid careers because it's still fun to look at and it still shows that, High school football in the state of Wisconsin is definitely improving. There's there's more and more. You know, we talked about the 2022 class being strong. Uh, there's there's a lot of good in-state talent, and I think you're just seeing that other states are, are coming into Wisconsin and paying attention to that. Yeah, and usually Wisconsin does really good at uh, fielding um, the best team out of the state as they can. Uh, obviously, it didn't work this time with Jerry Cross. Last time Penn State got a guy out of the state was Rob Windsor, and that turned out really well for them. He turned out to be a pretty good mm-hmm. player. So hopefully hopefully the Badgers can, can nail down the other uh, major prospects that they're after within the state and kind of fortify the border. 
But uh, it's, it's definitely uh, something that I know the staff can't be happy about and is working to try to land the other five and, and move along and try to find a different tight end who's out there after they just missed out on Gunnar Helm as well in the 2021 class. Yeah, two misses that are definitely unfortunate for the Badgers, but uh, they'll just keep on trucking, and hopefully, like you said, they can land the other five, maybe reduce that super six down to a fab five. And if you can get five of the six in, you know, in Wisconsin, Cardinal and White, that's definitely a, a welcome sign. All right, our next piece of news on the college basketball front, Wisconsin basketball, uh, will be playing in the Fort Myers tip-off tournament uh, down in southern Florida. Uh, they'll be taking on the Butler Bulldogs, uh, and the winner or loser of that will take on the winner or loser of Colorado versus South Florida. So an interesting little uh, four-team tournament for the Badgers again. Uh, I think they'll be looking to go down to that early season tournament uh, and hopefully do a little bit better than what they did last year out in Brooklyn, losing those two games to Richmond and uh, New Mexico in very uh, ugly fashion, kind of the low point uh, for the basketball team last season so I always like to see the Badgers uh in in these type of tournaments always fun to see them uh Butler is is definitely a team that the Badgers have played uh recently and has had you know recent success in terms of the runs that they had with Brad Stevens uh back in the day so what do you make of uh this little four-team tournament for the Badgers I think anytime the team can get into these types of tournaments, it's great. It gets them out of their comfort zone where you're not just going on the road and taking on a Big Ten opponent. It gets you your feet wet in the year. It kind of lets you sharpen your metal. I think the game against Butler is really good. Uh, you want as many really talented teams that you can take on in, in the uh, preseason as much as possible out of conference. Uh, type games and Butler there's been a lot going on between Wisconsin and Butler here there's there's been a couple really good games here recently so I'm I think that's a really good matchup the Colorado South Florida is is pretty whatever in terms of right now kind of where they are as basketball programs but I, I think this is going to be what a type of tournament that you want to be in let's see kind of how the Badgers come out of it Hopefully, uh, if you're able to win both of your games in that tournament, it, it looks really nice on your resume just, just to show, hey, we went down uh, a different environment down in Florida and we're able to take care of business against some really talented teams, uh, including a South Florida team who's really not that far from uh, playing in Fort Myers. Yeah, it'll be interesting to, to kind of see uh, how they come out of that, uh, that tournament because you look at this past year's team, with the relative amount of unsuccess they had in that uh, Brooklyn tournament, that was kind of the blemish uh, on the Badgers' resume. That was two really bad losses. So if you can turn those into big wins along with hopefully contending for a Big Ten title once again, it, it can certainly shape your resume in a little bit better way. And games like that uh, always help to have under your belt. So I'll be interested to see you know, how that field kind of shakes out. And uh, hopefully, well, hopefully all these, uh, you know, Early season tournaments will kick off uh, without a hitch because uh, it'd be it'd be fun matchups to see. Uh, Wisconsin and Butler have played a few times and they're interesting. And then uh, Colorado and South Florida maybe building programs that would still be quality wins. All right, our next piece of news. I'm going to be honest with you guys. It kind of gets negative here in the news department. Uh, the the rest of everything is kind of touching on college football and uh, the coronavirus. Uh, if you haven't seen it already. The Chicago Tribune put out an article uh, that states that the Big Ten schedule will possibly be out next week. 
Some of the parameters of that are that they're going to be three to five built-in off weekends. I don't know how that's all going to work right now. You you cancel the the non-conference, so you've already got three built in there along with your additional bye week. Uh, so maybe you can make it work and and plug some things in. I know we've seen the ACC schedule come out yesterday uh, with Notre Dame being an addition. Uh, but definitely an interesting article when you look at the possibility of playing football uh, this fall, given all the gaps. But did you uh, get a chance to read that article, and what did you make of it? Because, you know, it's not just uh, any any sort of publication. You know, the Chicago Tribune is a, a very well-entrenched uh, publication uh, in the Big Ten, you know, right in the, the heart of the Big Ten footprint that definitely knows and, and has an ear into kind of what's going on. I think the scheduling model makes a lot of sense. You referenced what the ACC chose to do yesterday, and I think uh, something similar, obviously not the the plus one that uh, the ACC is putting out there, but really you've got 10 games that you're going to be hoping to schedule. And to have those built-in bye weeks, I think they can get to four bye weeks using the fact that each team has three uh, non-con games that are wiped off the schedule We've seen some teams try to bump up their schedule and and go the week zero. That's not going to be an option because the Big Ten wouldn't be uh, announcing their schedule till next week, right before the NCAA kind of really um, talks a little bit more and makes an announcement. So I think really the way I look at it is those use those three bye weeks that you already kind of obtained because of the non-conference games being wiped away. And then a lot of people have been talking about backing up conference, the conference title games a week uh, to allow for another added week in there built in. So I think it'd be nice. They'll probably have it so that everybody's playing on the same days with those same bye weeks in between so that if, if teams need to make up games or to find a new um, partner to dance with in this, it makes it easy to slot them into those spots. So I think it makes a lot of sense based off of what everything and what uh, going on across the country in terms of coronavirus and what we've seen in other sports. I think what's nice, though, is that uh, we've seen what baseball has done now that we talked about last last podcast about with the Marlins, that it's, it's kind of like, well, they're paused. Everybody else is just going to keep that flywheel moving. So I think that's what you need to do. I'm guessing that's what the Big Ten will do. And so it's 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 fine. Put in those added built-in days, uh, and and just try to piece everything together. Get your ten games as much as possible in. Yeah, I think that's the only way you can do it. I mean, 2020 has just been a, a wacky year, and you know, you look at baseball. They're they're essentially going day by day. And are we playing? Are we not? You know, what teams playing here? What teams playing uh, where? And and they'll figure it out. Uh, and I think for college football, when you look at the roster sizes, the training uh, staff and coaches, that's probably going to be kind of how you have to do it there. I mean, you can't uh, you can't bank on uh, you know a, a patch of the virus uh, moving through you know these different places. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I know 2020 has been a wacky year already, so we're kind of used to it and expecting it. But uh, at the end of the day, if if there's any sort of football in general. We'd we'd certainly uh, take it at this point because it's certainly better than the alternative, and uh, it sounds like it's you know which we'll talk about here in a second. It sounds like it's either you know playing these games and, and patching it together the best way we can as we go, or nothing uh, because the other kind of scenarios that have been kicked around don't sound like they're really taking place. 
Yeah, I think I think the Badgers uh, and really the Big Ten is in an okay spot right now. Um, you know, I, I saw in the article that you know talking about college football is hanging by a thread, which is you know I think that's a, a little uh, dramatic in in some fashions, just because obviously the entire country right now is hanging by a thread. Um, I think there's a lot of positive actual momentum lately in college football that's actually pushing towards possibly having a season and looking like that teams are going to go for it and, and just see how it goes. So I, I thought that was interesting that uh, that it said that it was hanging by a thread. What did you think of that? Yeah, I think that's definitely someone that was uh, maybe, maybe saying, you know, doomsday scenario and trying to get some uh, clicks on the article, which as writers, uh, I get that you you want to, and if that's what they said, you can easily put it in there. But uh, I would agree with you. I think right now there's there's momentum and at least trying something, uh, getting it to go. Um, you know, I I hope that's the case anyway, because I know you know like we talked about uh, in the article as well, it, it kind of mentioned that there you know the source that uh, this article was kind of going off of and saying this stuff. Uh, also mentioned that there's been no conversations about spring football and, and no discussions of a bubble, which last episode we talked about the bubble being a possibility uh, and obviously being something that maybe could work and, and cool, especially if, you know, these kids are t- you know going to school online already. Maybe you can make it work. I, I don't know uh, how that would pan out, but it sounds like it's uh, uh, a discussion more for fans and, and things that it's not really been something that's been worked on. But I was kind of surprised that, you know, according to this source, that the the Big Ten has really not talked about, you know, having uh, a spring football season, which maybe you talk about that more when and if you have to cancel your fall season. But uh, I would have thought that maybe there were some more conversations uh, going in that direction, but apparently not. So for right now, it's either it's either we're playing and we're patching together a, a conference schedule, or you know, un, or we're not playing. So hopefully, it's uh, the former instead of the latter. Yeah, I mean, I, I think personally it makes a lot of sense. There's so many variables to uh, figure out in the for a fall season that they're really just going to steam pile ahead with that. If things fall apart, you have still all of, say it doesn't happen in September, October, you have all of November, December, and January to get ready for a spring football season, which we've seen these conferences have been able to adjust fairly quickly and, and make changes uh, rapidly when they need to. So I think at this point, everybody knows that fall is going to be the best space to have it if possible. And so I understand that there hasn't been any conversations just because of the sheer fact that there are so many pieces to figure out and that that's the kind of the last thing on their mind. They can kick that down the road and and figure that out if need be, and really just try to figure out what needs to happen for a fall season to to happen. And I, and hopefully it does because, like I said, I think everything's pointing towards teams are going to try, and uh, we'll see from there. That's the best way to put it right now. I think uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, I know we've been saying it multiple times here that these next couple weeks are going to be when you're starting to see some, you know, schedules and decisions, some big decisions being made. I would have to think, you know, with the Big Ten probably putting out a schedule next week, uh, you know, that's certainly going to be something where we should have a clearer picture, uh, you know, this time next week when we're discussing maybe next Friday. uh, And hopefully that can, uh, you know, give us a picture to move forward so we don't have to have as many of these coronavirus conversations because I don't know about you, Matt, but talking, you know, just about uh, the, the back and forth of, 
if it's going to happen or if it's not is, is definitely starting to wear on on people because it's just like you know I don't I don't know but uh, it's certainly the news that we have to talk about because it's it's such a big and prevalent part of college football and, and the world right now. Yeah, I mean it's it's flipping exhausting and <laughs> you know neither of us are still a doctor. Uh, we we didn't go and get our doctorate in the past six months, so uh, we're we're just you know pontificating over stuff that we read enough and. Uh, talk to people enough that hopefully it makes it so that this happens. But really, it just it's anybody's guess right now, and it can all switch on the drop of a hat. And, you know, everything is is still up in the air. But but the way things are going right now, it seems like teams are going to try. That's probably the one definitive thing I can say is as of right now, teams are seeming like across FBS are going to try and they're going to give this a go. Give it a try, and we'll see what happens, similar to, like you said, what's going on in the baseball world. Well, if you're sick of talking about football and coronavirus, uh, too bad, because our next two ones also are going, uh, our next two uh, news pieces are going uh, on about that. Uh, if you saw it, Rayvon Bonner, an Illinois running back, kind of a guy that was looking like he might be a starter or in Illinois' running back rotation, and Caleb Farley, a cornerback out of Virginia Tech, uh, projected first-round pick in the NFL draft have both opted out of the college football season. Uh, yesterday we saw a handful of NFL players also opt out, especially from the New England Patriots. Uh, so more and more guys are deciding, you know what, that this is, is maybe not for me, not wanting to put themselves out there and risk that, which I totally get. But, you know, you look at Caleb Farley, especially a first-round pick, a guy that's probably going to be playing on Sundays and, and getting a handsome uh, paycheck when he you know gets drafted and signed by a team maybe there's not much sense of him going out there and risking it or, or worrying about anything this season so I would guess you know based on that synopsis and, and him opting out that we're going to start to see more of that especially these higher uh, you know round picks uh, you know guys like you know I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence but you look at Trevor Lawrence a guy that's he's he's probably built in as a top three pick already and I think three is being generous so what did you make of, of that, and, and do you expect to kind of have uh, more of that happen this season? It's undoubtedly going to happen. There's going to be more players that are going to come out and, and uh, sit out this season, which is which is their choice. I think for Farley, it makes a ton of sense. If he's feeling comfortable with where his draft position is, which is a first or second rounder, uh, go for it, dude, uh, by all means. Um, Rayvon Bonner, it's interesting just because he is, was one of their top three running backs. He had a similar uh, stats to what Nakia Watson put up last year in terms of carries, not quite as many yards. But uh, he was definitely going to be one of their uh, players that they're going to lean on. But I, I think it makes a ton of sense. If you're feeling uh, hesitation about playing, not feeling like uh, your needs are being met or your health being taken into consideration, uh, your rights are that if you don't want to play, don't play. And especially when most teams across the Big Ten have said, hey, we're going to uh, give you your scholarship still, don't worry. So I think uh, it's going to really be something to watch for certain players, but not necessarily everybody. I think you're going to see a handful of kids uh, not playing across each conference, but but I really I doubt it's going to be the big time players. The team, the teams that are going for a national title, those players are going to play. It's going to be teams, players who are either really good on middling teams that they know aren't going to be successful, like a Derek King type situation last year. 
or it's going to be guys who are kind of in the middle of their careers knowing, hey, I don't necessarily need this season to to prove anything because I'm going to have future years to play. Uh, I think it's just going to – it's not going to be the top-notch guys, and it's not going to be the guys who really – this is a make-or-break year. It's going to be players who are pretty comfortable with where they're at and, and know that, hey, come come next year, I'm going to still be a starter uh, in my eyes. I, I think there's going to be guys like Farley who – simply just don't want to play because they are um, already, you know, bird in the hand with the draft. But but most of the players who are going to sit out are probably going to be kind of in the middle and aren't going to nearly impact things as as we think they will. Yeah, no, I think you, you make a good point there that in, unless you're sitting comfortably, you know, with the NFL draft and you, you feel like you're good where you're at, maybe you uh, still go out there and, and play. And, you know, there's going to be certain situations for everybody, but uh, and, of course, everyone has a right to make that decision and, and, and do what's best for them. Uh, but certainly interesting to see, you know, how this kind of plays out and, and goes forward because there's probably going to be more names and, and more kids who, who decide to do that uh, for whatever reason and, uh, you know, make a, a decision that's, you know, best for them in their future. All right, our next piece of news is, uh, we'll, we'll just touch on it briefly, uh, the WEAC decided to cancel their football season uh, which is definitely disappointing. I know uh, everyone who listens to this probably has some sort of tie to one WEAC school. Um, you know, they're uh, essentially pushing back uh, fall sports. It's probably tough on a lot of people, but uh, we wanted to just touch, briefly touch on that. And then I actually had one piece of news to add that just kind of broke. It sounds like the NCA is going to allow players to wear social justice messages on their uh, jerseys. Actually, literally, it was just... Uh, looking at my phone and got a notification of it. So it's fairly new news in terms of uh, Austin and when we're recording the podcast. But uh, what did you make of either of those two stories? Well, first, I think the WEAC football canceled. It really sucks for all the athletes. Uh, I had a lot of friends who, who played uh, Division three football, had opportunities to play it myself. And, and I, I just – you only have so many games that you can play. It's, it's like Greg Gard said with Micah Potter. His time is ticking the second he – enrolled in school. So it, it really sucks for the players that they can't play, but financially it just doesn't make sense in, in as in order to keep players healthy. Uh, the testing needed uh, based off of the NCAA's guidelines just wasn't going to be able to be sustainable at, at the Division three level in the state. That's just so much money that would have to be poured into that. Knowing, uh, you know, UW-Whitewater well, there's there's just no way. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way that they would have the money to, to make that um, as rigorous as they want it to be and be able to play and, and still have, uh, you know, an athletic department in general. So it's a really big bummer for that. Uh, in terms of the second point, uh, I, I didn't see that. It must have just happened. Yeah, like literally, said. yeah. So that's <laughs> just came that's down wild. the pipeline. Yeah, so a little like breaking it. news, but yeah, um, I think exactly. I think uh, it makes a lot of sense. You you see the um, push for um, more player say, more um, agency by players, um, and I think it's a, it's going to be something that is eventually going to go with name, image, and likeness. There's like there's a lot of different pieces that are going to be shifting over the next few years across uh, NCAA and the way they do things because they're going to have to. They don't really have a choice. Um, I think you look at what has been going on in baseball as well as basketball, and this is something that uh, I would say the people in power are starting to see that, hey, 
you're, they're going against something that is they're going to lose. So it, it makes sense to allow um, athletes to have voices, show um, and support the things that they care about. Um, you, you saw it with athletes going ahead and um, the crest for UW. That is that is a small step that the university is um, helping to to put through as well. It's players want to have a say in their lives and the ways in which they can express themselves. Um, and I think this is just a further development in um, what's right for athletes and in, in giving them the space that they deserve and the voice that they deserve. Yeah, I think it's it's a very cool uh, step for the NCAA. I mean, you look at the NCAA, not a lot of people are, are fans of some of the decisions that they've put down. So to allow players to, to kind of have more say – uh, vocalize their opinions and, and be more than just a player on the field is, is cool to see. I, I think that I, I would have never expected that from the NCAA, just knowing kind of the, the organization that they've been um, for these past how many years. I would have never guessed that they would allow it, but I think it's a step in the right di- direction to allow players to, to, to have their say and, and get get the message that they uh, want across because I think that uh, too often we've been they've been told to just go play sports and and they're they're more than just athletes so they having the ability to do that is is cool and a step in the right direction for sure so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, kind of plays out anything else on the news front otherwise we'll go ahead and kick it to some ads and then we'll uh, get into some returner profiles yeah, let's get these ads out of the way and let's talk some profiles. We haven't touched on them in a little bit. It has been a it has been a while, but we've got some uh, good ones to touch on. So we'll go ahead and knock out our couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into some returner profiles. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, so time to touch on some players. And the guys that we're going to talk about today are guys that um, are are very important to the the current state of UW football and uh, likely the future here. And the first one, uh, a lot of people are big fans of this guy and probably clamored for him since uh, he was a senior in high school, and that's the highly touted and highly coveted Graham Mertz at the quarterback position. Uh, of course, we've talked endlessly about Graham Mertz and, and kind of our thoughts and opinions of what he will be in terms of the team this year. But and, uh, as a player, what does he bring in and, and what do you really expect from him uh, this year in terms of uh, a player on the field and, and maybe playing time? Because I know that's uh, on the forefront of a lot of people's minds. I still think Jack Cohn is, is going to be the guy. He's going to be likely the starter. But, but that doesn't mean that... Mertz won't have a space on the team and be called upon to play at some point or another. If we look at it, almost every single year, the backup is is used in some way, shape, or form, is needed to, to come in in a game. Now, that could be just at the end of the game situations where there's a blowout, but it also could be this year you've got COVID. You've got uh, injuries are always uh, something to worry about. We, we look at what he brings to the table, and he is he's probably the biggest recruit they've ever gotten at the quarterback position. 
you, you know, he was the number three um, pro-style quarterback in the country for a reason, top 100 player across all services. So he's the real deal, and I think he he's going to be the, the future for them. So it makes a lot of sense that they're able to get him on the field in some capacity this year. You look at, in his class, some of the other players who have played and who he was even rated higher than or around the same place as. Bo Nix, Jane Daniels, just a little bit ahead of him in, in rankings. He was ahead of Sam Howell. He was just behind Spencer Rattler, um, who's going to be the quarterback at Oklahoma this year. Uh, Ryan Holinsky, he was uh, right around the same spot as him, and he's going to be um, potentially the starter at South Carolina. So there's a lot of guys who have who have um, put themselves in the starting spots now, and he's getting to be about that time when it's kind of, all right, let's see what this kid can do. So I anticipate the Badgers will use him. I just don't know how much that will be because he is going to probably be the starter next year uh, come 2021. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that in, in terms of the the recruiting rankings. I think that sometimes gets forgotten about. Uh, of course, we know that Graham Mertz is, is the highest you know, re- quarterback recruit that the Badgers have ever landed, but when you look at the rankings in terms of the guys around them and, and mention you know, Sam Howell, a guy that Graham Mertz is ranked ahead of, uh, you know, when you look at your Athlon Sports Magazine, Sam Howell's uh, number nine in their top 50 returning players. He had a great freshman season last year. Uh, so you can see, you know, what, you know, when they were in high school, what these these guys kind of did. Now, of course, Sam Howell, maybe he was under or, you know, mis- misrated out of high school or just came in and, and really uh, had a good season. But it's interesting to note that Graham Mertz is definitely a guy that, uh, was in that conversation with a lot of these guys that are making big impacts on, on college football. So I don't know in terms of what he's going to play or how much he's going to play. I don't know if you really have a definitive answer for that, but I know at some point, and I've said this before on the pod, at some point there's going to be a situation where maybe the offense isn't clicking and uh, you, you, some, you need a drive, you need a score, you need a spark. I'm interested to see if, if Paul Chris is going to make that move and, and maybe give Graham Mertz a shot in that regard. Now, that's not a knock on Jack Cohn. That's just me sometimes where maybe something isn't clicking. And I, I'd like to see how he kind of performs in a situation like that. Similar to what was seen to the past, you know, when Alex Hornibrook came in uh, earlier in his career. I'd be really interested to see how that uh, plays out because you don't have the redshirt situation to worry about. So now uh, it can be fully to up to decisions. And uh, I think Graham Mertz is definitely going to be a guy that has worked into the fold uh, in some capacity that will will likely make an impact on this team uh, at some point. Um, quick question. So to kind of follow up to that, you, you had mm-hmm. said, you know, you talked about possibly pulling the trigger uh, if if uh, things aren't clicking. Over under, Graham Mertz starting a game this year? I would say... Like one game, do you think it's over or under that starts one game? I would say... You're probably looking at, I think you're looking at an over. I think right now, uh, and, and I don't, and I think in a normal season, maybe you wouldn't have that situation, but if things get weird, if you, you've got situations, I would say over that just because I, I think there's going to be a situation where he gets worked into there. I, I don't want to speculate that Jack Cohn is going to have a bad year because I think Jack Cohn is very good and uh, definitely deserves to be a starter, but. I think there's going to be a situation where he, he does make a start. So I think it'd probably be a push maybe at one game, but I'll take the over right now and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. What about you? What do you think? 
Yeah, I think push is a is right around perfect, yeah. but but like like you said, but I could see it going either way. I, I just wanted to know what what you thought there because I think it is going to be fascinating to see just because of there's so many unknowns about this season. You're you're leaning into a ten game season potentially. I mean, hell, it could be less, it, um, even if if things go sideways. But but I'm just I'm fascinated to see that whether it be based off of Mertz just looking crazy good in practice, whether it be Cohn is struggling in a, in a game or two, or whether it's injury-related, which we hope obviously hope is not the case, whether uh, Mertz sees the field in a, in a greater capacity than what people are projecting. Because I know the second he starts a game, it the, the world's going to explode. Like it, Mertz's uh, era starts and everybody's going to be going nuts. Yeah, most definitely. Wisconsin football Twitter is going to have a field day when and if that uh, situation arises. All right, the next guy we'll talk about is a player that we have seen plenty of. We expect to see more of as he goes into this season. Uh, had a f- phenomenal year last year, and that's linebacker linebacker Jack Sanborn. Um, a guy that, like I said, underrated, I think, around college football. I, I think he's one of the better linebackers in the country. Comes in, uh, just does his job, makes the tackles, and really plays that inside linebacker position well. So what do you make of him? What do you expect from him uh, in this uh, upcoming season? I think I might have said it during our last podcast, but I think he's the best player on the defense and probably on the entire team in my eyes. He's 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 the real deal. Led the team in tackles last year uh, with 80. I think that'll be closer to 100 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw – Five and a half sacks last year. That's probably going to be up higher when you look at Chris Orr got eleven and a half, and um, you know Jack kind of helped with that because he could shoulder a big load in the middle. There, I just think you look at him also tying with three interceptions and you know force fumbles, fumble recoveries. He he's a stud. He's he's the real deal, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't uh, you know an All American candidate uh, at some point next year whether it be by the by year's end or he's in the discussion mid year. So I think I think he's gonna have some some crazy stats this year just because he is going to be the focal point of that defense. He'll be one of the uh team leaders. I'm I'm guessing he will be the the main caller of the defense in the middle there. I just think he's he's the guy that if you have to circle somebody and say who on the defense is going to have a, a huge year to me, it's it's him because you have Chris Orgon and you have Sanborn being tasked to do more, and he can do more. He can do a hell of a lot, and he proved that last year. Um, and there was a reason he didn't redshirt right away. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. Uh, you know, you talk about the 80 tackles and, and expecting much more. I think you're going to get that just from the departure of of Chris Orr itself, but. Uh, I think Jack Sanborn, like, like I said, is a very underrated player that can make a much bigger impact, and I'll be interested to see, you know, if he's in that All-American discussion, can he get, can he get there? Because I, I certainly think he could, based on what we've seen. I know he's kind of that lunch pail guy that come and does his job, and he's maybe not uh, a loud or uh, outgoing player, but he gets the job done and he does it well, you know, and that's what I think a lot of Badger linebackers in the past have, have done a great job of. Ryan Conley, one of my all-time favorite Badgers, had to work him into the conversation. So I think Jack Sanford <laughs> kind of possesses a lot of traits like that, which Wisconsin does a really good job of at the linebacker position. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a real deal. What, what more do we have to say here? 
Um, <laughs> I will work into our next guy because uh, Jack Sanborn being really good is a uh, pretty easy one to talk about. But this next one is a guy that could certainly be a guy that has a big impact, could be a guy that has a little impact depending on how the wide receiver room shakes out, and that's Adam Crumholtz, a former guest of the show, a phenomenal guest, one of uh, a very well-spoken kid that uh, came on the show, but a guy that I think could be in the conversation for kind of that wide receiver three uh, you know, type spot. You look at uh, the, the, the roster right now, Kendrick Pryor in the slot. You've got Danny Davis on one side. You, you maybe need a guy on, on that other side. And Adam Crumholz, I think, is a guy that's going to be in that conversation given his speed, athleticism, and, again, coronavirus works into the conversation. But a shortened season, you, you've got a guy as a senior that is going to come in that they're going to need to rely on to, to know the offense and know what he's doing. Adam Crumholz kind of brings that. So what do you make of uh, him as he works his way back uh, this season? I think he brings a lot to the team, uh, especially what he does on special teams as a gunner is, is really good. He, you always watch, and there's always a couple guys that are just so good at, at, at those gunner roles that, that don't get talked about enough. And I think Crumholz has definitely shown what he can do in special teams. In practice, he just makes plays. Him and Jack Dunn are always catching the ball. I know that they have good relationship with Jack Cohn um, on and off the, the field, so that probably helps a little bit. But but Krumholz is a guy at 6'1", pushing 200 pounds. He's got good size. He's a good blocker as well. You see oftentimes the Badgers will bring him out as, as just a guy just in blocking situations uh, over the course of his career and get reps. But he, he's definitely a guy who can create separation, can make nice catches. So I, I think it's totally possible that he could be your wide receiver three. Um, I think he'll definitely see the field a lot at the wide receiver position. Um, I'm just excited to see what he can do in, in a bigger role this year and, and see if, if that is what he's going to do because there are other guys who are going to be fighting and really want to get in there, especially when you've got a new wide receivers coach. Everything is kind of up in the air, and you never know what – a new wide receivers coach is going to want to do. And Elvis Witted, you know, he might come in and be like, yep, these four, my four seniors, I'm going to roll with them. Or he might be like, yep, I'm going to get Tim Ray DK in there as many snaps as I humanly can because um, I like what he's doing and I need to get ready for next year. So I think that chess match of balancing, you need to get some of the younger guys in and making sure that your top guys are still out there playing is, is going to be fun to watch as, as they try to figure that out. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I kind of forgot about the Elvis Witted and, and how that kind of levels the playing field of, of some guys where, you know, if you're a, a returning coach, you already know what you've got in the room versus Elvis Witted, especially with coronavirus. He doesn't quite know other than the, the little time he's spent with people, which, uh, you know, via FaceTime, which Adam kind of touched on in uh, in uh, our interview with him. He's, he's doing the best they can in an odd situation. So whichever guys are, you know, proving themselves as, as ready to be on the field, is going to be a situation that you might see uh, certain guys worked into. All right, our next guy, a guy that I think at the outside linebacker position could be a guy that is maybe a dark horse that works his way into the fold. Uh, you look at one side with outside linebacker, Noah Burks kind of has that uh, solidified, but the other side is kind of up for grabs. And Jalen Franklin, our next player to talk about, is a guy that is, is probably going to try and work his way into that fold and, and beat out, you know, an Isaiah Green or a uh, Spencer Lyle on that other side. So what do you make of uh, Jalen Franklin as he tries to maybe uh, earn a, a starting spot at that outside linebacker position? I'm, I'm really interested to see what he comes in 
weight-wise. Uh, you know, he, he came in, according to the spring depth chart, 6'4", 222. Um, that's, that's pretty good for an outside linebacker. I want to see, though, if he can get into those 230s because you look at Green May, and Green May is 6'6", 220. And so it's saying that you've got a guy who's a little bit shorter, but but he's got the same weight. Generally, that means he's going to be a little little less uh, uh, able to be pushed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You, but you look at Zach Bonney, who's at 235. If you can get into that range, into those 230s, that makes such a huge difference in supporting uh, against the run. And so I think whichever one of those two, in my eyes, or Spencer Lytle, um, is able to prove that they can stop the run the best is going to play the most out of those three. Because I think it really comes down to those three. Maybe Nick Herbig, if you just lights the world on fire when he comes in. But I think Burks is going to be solid. I feel um, comfortable with him. He's not going to be completely flashy or anything like that. But those other guys um, need to step up and, and show that they can stop the run. I, I believe me, Jalen Franklin running around the corner and getting that sack against South Florida. He had another one that was stopped because of a face mask penalty. The dude can fly around the corner. He's got the twitchiness, the athleticism that you want, the bendability as, as an edge player. Now it's going to be: Do they have the physical uh, stature right now, the the weight on to hold up against that offensive tackle when it's when the guy's barreling down at you in as a run blocker. That's what it's going to come down to because they need to be able to hold that edge. And that's where the only questions really lie with me. I don't worry about those guys getting after the quarterback, whether whether it's uh, Franklin or if it's um, going to be um, someone else. I, I just think he he's going to be good in that regard. I want to see can he hold up against the run with those reps. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Uh, you know, you've got to be able to do both. You can't just be a third down linebacker, uh, yeah, pass rusher. I mean, you can, but you're not going to be worked into the fold nearly as much if you can't do both. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, Jalen Franklin uh, does that as uh, as well as Isaiah Green May, kind of guys with similar body types uh, in a similar position to see how they'll battle out at that outside linebacker position. All right, our next player is uh, probably, you know, we've talked about Jack Sanborn as one of uh, the best players on the team. Uh, the number two is probably Cole Van Lannan, you know, your left tackle senior, established guy, going to probably come in and be uh, a, a complete stud. Uh, you're looking at maybe an NFL draft, uh, you know, high rounds type guy, but what do you make of Cole Van Lannan, and how important is it to, you know, the left tackle position is always important in football, but how important is it to have a senior and experienced guy at left tackle when you've got a lot of other guys that are uh, working into the fold across the rest of the offensive line? Oh, it's huge. I mean, he, he's a great player. You've seen him play so much football, whether he was the starter or not, you know, Two years ago, he, he was essentially the starter. Him and John Dietzen rotated, but Cole Van Lannan played most of those reps. You look at last year, his first year as the full-on starter, and he played really well. I thought he did a great job. He, he still had to battle through some injuries, which hopefully he's got that cleaned up, is feeling good, because he is, he is your prototypical left tackle and what you want. Um, he, he's going to be the guy uh, there, and hopefully he can also help uh, tr- teach some of those younger guys so that when their time's called, that they're ready, and he can be kind of the the vocal leader for that group. I know he's not necessarily the most uh, vocal guy, but at the same time, he he needs to be 
to to lead these guys and make sure that they've got it down. Logan Bruss, another guy um, who who's going to be a leader for them as a as a redshirt junior. So I think Cole Van Lannen is a phenomenal football player, probably the best player on the offense. You know, I think him and Jake Ferguson would be battling for that um, recognition. But but I think he's going to have a big year, and I think they'll they'll be able to use what he can do as a run blocker a lot of ways because Josh Seltzner. If, if he's the left guard next to him, makes a ton of sense with those two um, as, as strong run blockers running to the left side a lot. Yeah, you look at those two and, and the combo that they've had. I think uh, if you're looking at which side you're going to look at to to really run the football, it's it's probably going to be uh, behind uh, the backs of those two, whether they be you know pulling or, or moving around on that way to uh, make an impact. It'll definitely be a to have Cole Van Landen, you know, out there uh, lead blocking and also protecting and pass block, you know, to have a left tackle that, that can keep that side uh, protected and clean is, is definitely going to be important to have uh, when you look at the Badgers looking to maybe throw the football a little bit more. Uh, you, you talk about the running backs. Of course, we don't have Jonathan Taylor to rely on anymore. So maybe open it up, uh, take some throws, and you have a left tackle that you can lean on uh, to cover that backside is, is always important. So definitely a guy that the Badgers are going to rely heavily on in both phases of their offense. Yeah, I think I think he's going to have a big year, and and I think I really this is a really good group that we talked about today because these are uh, five guys who can, who really will have a big impact on the season in some way, shape, or form. Most definitely, it was a lot of uh, fun to touch on each of those guys. I know the last few ones we've talked about were maybe fringe guys or guys that are working their way up the depth chart for 2021, but. These five guys are going to be guys that have uh, immediate impact on the uh, 2020 college football season for the Badgers. All right, guys, well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Like I mentioned at the beginning, there will not be a new episode out on Monday. We will have probably a pretty long one on Wednesday, given that it's going to be the draft with possibly three people going back and forth. So you're probably going to end up getting close to two episodes in one uh, Wednesday when we'll record it. Thursday, it'll probably be out uh, so look for that. It should be a fun exercise that I know uh, Matt and I are both very excited about, and hopefully we can get Drew on to uh, join us as well. But either way, it'll be a, a lot of fun to discuss. So as always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you in the middle to later part of next week. And as always, on Wisconsin. Wisconsin.